Welcome to another edition of the Royal Alliance UK podcast. This is the NFL Draft Day 2 Review, Day 3 Preview Edition. My name is Matthew Turner, alongside Stephen Collins, Ashley Soden and Anthony Fitzpatrick. How are you doing, boys? Better than some, better than 49ers fans after drafting a kicker in the top 100. Um, could you, <laughs> this was could hilarious. You was a rage. A kicker in the top 100. This was so beautiful. I I have a 49ers supportive friend. I know he watches this occasionally. And he was, he messaged me after day one going, huh, they were some odd picks for your Lions, weren't they? And I just woke up this morning. I'm like, what were you saying about odd picks? Kicker in the top Hello. 100? <laughs> and could he's, you, he's you, seen it and he has not he... replied to me. <laughs> so you could really say that he went to bed moody. Oh, wow. oh, God. Oh, Ash. Oh. Right, Matt, can we create like a big GIF I can use on the stream of the Mike McDaniel thing? Can we convert it to like a stream thing? I'm sure I can make some sort of graphic for it. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I want want to use this on stream um, because Ash's jokes are getting worse. So I, yeah, I feel that... like I, I feel like I need to bring it on the stream as well. And, and Discord is not good enough anymore. I mean, at the end of the day, it's bad enough for the guys on YouTube, but if you don't have like the, the context of what's happening on stream because you're listening to the audio version of this, I feel even more sorry for you because you just listen to it, which is worse. But anyway, getting on with the show, talking points for today, the Lions get trade heavy, end up taking Laporta, Branch, Hooker and Martin, several large profile, fall, high profile fallers in this draft that we'll talk about, and the Chicago Bears refuse to give Fields any help on offense, which is quite unbelievable. We'll also have a look at the picks from around the NFL. Before we get started, our thanks to OnePrido427, who's gifting two Tier 1 subs. We're up to 44 now. So gifted subs to no decaf. that's Chris Buffett, and Dave BJ. So thank you very much for that. Your name is still Will Shot for Subs. I know it's a bit early. So I, I will cumulatively do these on tonight's stream so i i will do them uh we'll keep a tally so that's two i just need coffee for now so uh, but the, but the thing is open we will do it when day three kicks off we will kick off the when the first pick is made i will make i will catch up so let's get it started uh at one prime four two seven just as appreciate your hours of draft coverage fellas Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Uh, let's get it started with the Lions' early pick. We thought they might trade out of it. We thought they might take a different tight end. But they did take Sam Laporta from Iowa. And, I mean, you guys, and in particular, has been talking about the fact that this guy might be the best fit in terms of tight end for the Lions in this draft at number 34 overall. 153 receptions in his career, 1,786 yards five touchdowns, PFF grade of 80.1 this year, 9.01 Rouse score, great hands and route running. Is perhaps not as dominant at the catch point as you'd like. 
He's a competitive blocker, but has trouble sustaining them. And give us your overview on the Iowa tight end. So anyone who's listened to my draft coverage coming into this card show, I've, I've not talked about Sam Laporta amongst the tight ends as much as a lot of others. That That is personal preference for me. There are some very shiny guys in there who have been taken, who, who I just would have liked as luxury things. But we have what we have said about Sam Laporta is... He is the best fit for this team. Out, out of everybody in this draft class, in terms of the tight end class, he is what you want here. And, and this is not a TJ one. People going, oh, tight end Iowa. He is not just a, an outright pass catcher like TJ is. He does a lot more of the dirty grunt work. They said there's things he's got to do with his blocking, but he is a much better blocker than TJ is for one. He will continue to develop in that role. And he's underrated as a receiver as well. We, we've got to understand that he's been in an offense which has been pure straight trash for years now. And we were joking, it couldn't get into double figures last year. He is the only target on that team. And yet, as a tight end who... There's no wide receivers on that team. As a tight end who's the only receiver there, he still got good yardage last year. So not only are they like doubling him up, not only are they putting more guys on him, he's still getting there. So you've got the receiving ability. You you have to. He's had to to flourish there. But outside of the receiving the blocking, the attitude is one that I do really like. So when when it comes to players and sometimes I do like to see certain guys transfer to a higher level to be able to fully showcase themselves. I know with Laporta at the end of last year, we were saying that he needed to transfer away from Iowa because it was a dumpster fire. The offense just wasn't giving him the chance to show what he can do in both assets of the game, but he stayed. And whilst it was like, well, he could have done better by moving on. You also do have to appreciate the loyalty that he showed to his team. This was a case of the going got tough. He, he didn't get going. He stayed he gritted it out, and that is a mentality that I really like. I think that is a mentality that Campbell and Holmes will really like, showing loyalty to your team. When times get tough, he just rolls his socks up, he gets to work and does as best as he can for his guys. And and, and that is an attitude that has to be, you know, commended. So, you know... <laughs> Personality-wise, I think he fits here. Playing-wise, I think he fits here. He is tough. He is gritty. Detroit mentality. And at the end of the day, now he's here. I'm like, yeah, they've they've made the pick that made most sense. Maybe a little high, but as I said on Twitter, I think they've got a very small group of guys that they really like, and they will go and get them anywhere, and, and I'm fine with that. So welcome, Sam. I think people will love him really quickly, and I'm looking forward to seeing him and James together. I think they will be a good tight end duo. What about the rest of you guys? Ash, what do you make of Laporta? I much agree. So one of the things that I'm going to add is he's got high football IQ. So in his interview yesterday with like the press, when he got drafted, he told us that in the combine interview, they spent a couple of minutes doing like the usual like character feeling out stuff. And then they tested his football IQ by telling him a play and then getting him to draw out on the whiteboard. I suppose he drew out perfectly, which is something that probably this team values, especially like how Ben Johnson and Tanner Engstrand are they probably value football IQ a lot because obviously a tight end's got to know blocking schemes, run blocking schemes, pass blocking schemes, what routes to run, all this. And he is able to do that at a high level and uh, when asked, reproduce it. So it's something that's very valuable, I think. So I love the pick as well. Yeah, me too. I absolutely love this pick. Um, So when we did our mock draft seven-man show, um, like I was tempted to take this tight end 
against much abuse from the rest of the panel, who's I won't call out individually for the um, hurt that they gave me. Um, but I I took Laporta, I think, at 55. And the reason I did that was because I, I thought Mayer and Kincaid would go too early and I, I didn't want to spend like a first round pick on a tight end. Uh, we've got too many other needs. Um, but I thought Laporta was like the perfect spot at the top of the second round for value because he's such a good all-rounder and unlike previous nameless tight ends that we've had, doesn't catch the ball and then immediately fall over or run out of bounds. He is a yards after the catch guy. He's got great feet and he's going to absolutely, um, you know, break out with some big plays for us this this season if once he's kind of like in tune with the scheme. Um, the tight end room, I, I really like Brock Wright. Um, obviously, James Mitchell has is, is not really shown much, but he's coming back from injury, so we've got to be patient. But I definitely think this was a really big area of need um, because we want to give Goff as many options as possible. And we've got Jameer Gibbs. We've got a great wide receiver room. Um, or we, we will have after game seven when JMO comes back. And, and for me, like a, t a good pass catching tight end that can block as well. Yeah, he, he's blocking needs some refinement. And yeah, but we've got the coaches that can get him there. So for me, absolutely smashed it with this pick. Love it. I have nothing to. So, I, I just, I just wish to. There is some revisionist history going on here, and I feel like the people who are listening to us need need to know this. But Steve talks about how we panned him for picking a tight end in his mock draft, and he was on his own, and it was like, oh yeah, they all woe betide me. What we were actually criticizing, and what he's forgetting here, is he picked Jake Moody. He was the only one who picked a kicker, and that was the pick. That we were all ribbing him over. That was my luxury over. pick. That, that was, was the pick, pick. That was the pick we were all ribbing him over, not the Laporta one. This is some and, and, Steve. And, and, ten out of ten. The Forty Nine ers have proved me right. The Forty Nine ers have proved me right. <laughs> I took Moody at the end of round six. They took him at three. They yeah. clearly knew something no, that I you. was onto. I just no. this is this is revisionist history at its best, and I love it. Just on Sam Laporta, I've got nothing to add in terms of what else you guys have said on, on his ability, just on his athleticism, because I know that that's a bit of a favourite Lions fans with Kentley Plassey's RIS score. It highlights quite what a special player he might be. 40-yard dash time, 4.59. Now, ordinarily, you wouldn't be thinking about 40-yard dash times for a tight end because they tend not to go 40 yards. But if you can run that quickly, I mean, that's faster than some wide receivers. I think that's in the ballpark of Quintez Cephas. But he's a tight end. He runs a 1-5-5, 10-yard split. That's about as fast as a lot of quite fast defensive ends. He does that at 245 pounds. His three cone, 6-9-1. I mean, the guys can turn around corners so bloody fast. Short shuttle, 4-2-5. So when you're looking at route running... When he can do the shuttle and the three cone that quickly, getting releases is going to be great. And then if he actually gets free, I mean, we've got the quickness and the home run speed to be an absolute nightmare for defences. And even though 245 pounds is a bit light for a tight end and six foot three means that maybe there's not a lot of room to put on his frame, he's big enough to be a, a, nu a nuisance in the blocking game that he can be a three down tight end. He can be tight end one off the bat. I mean, there's so much to love 
about Sam Laporta in terms of what he could bring. Now, I think there's a reason that he was regarded fairly widely as tight end five, which is that he just has a little way to go and a little bit of polishing to do, but everything's there for him. And given the strength of our tight end room, he may well be tight end one come game one. So it's a great pick. If you think about wanting to get impact players, starters on the first two days with your draft picks, tight end one, good one to hit on. So I got nothing but praise for the pick, even though I would have loved it at the next one. He might not have been there. If you have a look at what happened to Darnell Washington, if you have to bump everyone else up, Sam Laporta might not have been there at the next pick. So you've got to kind of weigh up the consensus board that we knew it. And now the available information on who dropped and why and bump everyone else up. And so Sam Laporta was worth more than we thought. And that's what we've got to think of it. Now, he was worth more than we thought because we took him high as well. So it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. But I don't think the value is as bad here as some people might think. Yeah. All right. Uh, the Lions then made the trade. But instead of trading down, they traded up with the Packers. They went up three spots from 48 to 45, giving up 159 in the process. If you haven't seen the Tom Grossi video, it's about three minutes of your life. That I mean, you won't get it back, but you will be really, really happy with yourself. And they traded up to take the safety star slot cornerback, Brian Branch from Alabama. I'm going to come back around the other way. Steve, what do you make of the trade value, first of all? And then what do you make of the, of the pick in Brian Branch? Just going back onto the Tom Grossi video, it's not even three minutes. It's about 10 minutes because the, the, just the fact that we're trading... Well, first of all, he's already pissed off with the Packers draft. And then the fact that he's like so anticipating a Packers pick. And then he's like, we've traded with the Lions, like the Lions. So, And then this just sends him into like an existential tailspin and he spends the next 10 minutes just absolutely ragging on his own team. Um, it's beautiful. It's a, a, an absolute beauty of a watch. Um, and, you know, some of that kind of like frustration like reminds me of like past drafts for the Lions, but like absolutely not with this. Um, you know, pretty good value for the trade. I mean, the fact that we got the trade off the Packers um, and, and also I think it was the Patriots were picking before us. And the Patriots absolutely would have taken Branch. Like that kind of Swiss Army knife in the in the defensive backfield, that would have been the Patriots pick. So the fact that we we jumped them, I, th I think it was the right thing to do. And, you know, Branch, I would not have been unhappy to take Branch at 18. Like Branch is an absolutely solid player and someone who is going to be so scheme perfect for what Aaron Glenn does. Um, in that kind of versatile safety nickel corner role that he can do. Um, you know, he's not the quickest in the backfield, but he's, you know, as we, we would say as a, of a soccer player, he's got a yard of pace in his head. Like he's such an intelligent player. Um, I think he's going to really fit in nicely to be able to be mentored, mentioned, mentored by Gardner Johnson. Um, I think is going to be a, a fantastic for him. This is an absolutely blinding pick. I cannot believe he fell this far. Like, and I think Ant said last night, it's just that hybrid player fact factor 
Um, I think we've seen it. I, I think you said Ant yesterday, Morig. Um, the same thing happened to him a couple of years ago. The, the Raiders ended up taking him in round two um, when he really should have gone in, in round one. But it's just that people don't value that that hybrid player. And um, yeah, I think there'll be a lot of teams absolutely kicking themselves. This was an absolute steal. This was daylight robbery. Yeah, completely. Like, And yeah, we've uh, managed to, for once... Take uh take advantage of yeah one of the things happens in the draft happened to Trevor Morig happened to Anton Winfield Jr. We've seen it's these kind of like safeties especially fall especially when there are these kind of tweeners where you don't know if they're like a true safety or they're going to play slot corner. Sometimes yeah they just fall because teams don't know what to do with them, and we've took a hundred like full advantage of it and got a one of the steals of the draft in Dankin Branch here because it's. He was easily a top 15, 20 player, and we got him that late. It's just amazing. Like, it's, it's up there with like the Amon Rasent Brown sort of moment where you could see Sheila turning to Brad and's like, What about him? And it's like, Trust me, he's going to be there. And it came true. And now we've got potentially the uh, great stock starting corner for the next five, 10 years easily. Uh, yeah, this is. <laughs> This is just best pick in the draft by a long, 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 long way in terms of value, in terms of player fit, in terms of just about everything. And I'd have taken Branch 18 quite happily. And I think that would have been value for the pick. So to get him so low, to nab him from the Packers as well was just sweet as anything. But he's the exact scheme fit for this team that we need, a position which is very difficult to play. And it's one that's gradually evolving in the NFL. I think in two, three years' time, people are going to be like begging for these sort of guys who can and do a bit, do a bit of both. Um, and we've got him under contract for four years now. So this is a great move. One, because people might say we've got CJ Gardner-Johnson, but it's for a year. So you're protecting yourself long-term at that position if Gardner-Johnson either plays too well that we can't afford to pay him or busts. So you have a guy who's going to come in and he can take a starting spot. If CJ doesn't pull his weight, then he's out the team. So you've got that. If CJ does, you've got two guys who you can bring in and out and you can start showing different fronts to teams. They're not going to know what you're sending their way because there's so many things you can do with them. Both of them are lined on the field. I mean, you're like, what the hell are they doing? So it gives you a lot of scheme versatility. It gives you protection at the position. We need young guys in the secondary. There's, there's only Kirby, really, at this moment in time. There's a couple of other maybe, but we need more guys in. So I just I just love this pick. This is a smash out of the park, and that we did it at the expense of the Packers, who really need safeties, um, is is terrific. So I, I, I was glad we, we took one of the four, but he's not fallen because he's bad. He's fallen as a positional value thing, and and, and we took advantage, and I, I couldn't be happier. Branch is going to be a is star. Is finally yeah. the end of Melifonwu? Um, no. I would hope that... I would like... That, no, it's the end of Will Harris! Yes! I keep forgetting this! No more Will Harris on this goddamn team again. Sorry, I know you lot love him, but... Eh, well, whatever. We don't, we don't love him, but unfortunately for you... He will still be on the roster. There's there's zero chance he gets yeah. cut because of the cap implications. Yeah. It does mean that he'll barely see the field. Yeah. He's Gatorade carrier, and that is fine. 
Yeah, special put him on special teams. Let him let him go and let him go and put in the group. He's got the athletic profile teams. to do that too. Actually, to be fair, but just on branch, can he be a so personal protector? Things... Yeah, can, yeah. Can he be a personal Ooh. protector now that? Uh, it'll be done? it'll be Tracy. Tracy was being cross trained for it last year before he got yeah. injured. Tracy will be the PP for sure. But anyway, um, on branch. Just the remarkable thing about him is that he started in the most important role in Alabama's defense as a freshman. That doesn't happen in Nick Saban's defense. It just doesn't happen. And it speaks to what a special talent and how much football intelligence this guy has. Now, I don't think he's going to be, at least early, a vocal leader, because I don't see that in his personality. I think he's very much more of a sort of cerebral, Jeff Okuda sort of follow my example sort of thing when it comes to production and play. But he absolutely just walks the walk in that regard. I love the idea of having him and Kirby in the same sort of safety room. I think that's going to work really well. CJ Gardner-Johnson mentoring him for a year. I mean, CJ's talked specifically when he came on board about growing into the mentorship role. And Branch is exactly the sort of guy that needs mentoring. If Branch is who we think he is... We don't need CJ next year. CJ can be the guy to make us competitive and go for a championship this year. And then we've got the guy and we don't actually have to pay CJ 12 million a year to stick around. Now, I'd love to have both on the team long term because that would be terrific. But I don't think it's realistic. You don't often have two players in that role who are starter caliber. You just don't. You don't often have one. But... I, I'm just super excited about someone who is going to completely transform this defense. And of the of the few picks in days one and two who aren't necessarily going to be day one starters, as you guys were kind of saying, at 18, he kind of made sense because of how much quality he was bringing, even though we knew he wasn't going to be a day one starter. The fact that we don't have to start him when he's potentially the best pick that we've made in terms of quality is just out of this world to me like what happens if cj goes down oh who the fuck cares because we're still good we're still good amazing universe don't put that into the universe it doesn't matter though like we're we we are getting into sort of the areas of depth that which the eagles have treaded for a long time like we're starting down that path of kind of being too deep in multiple positions where they're both starter quality. We're nowhere near them yet, but many teams are scratching the surface trying to get starters in any of the positions, in all of the positions, but we're starting to double down on places because you know what? We're just picking up good football players and down where you think they should be drafted. And it's... some of You don't want to reach too far, but some of these picks are just refreshing as hell. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, (laughs) it's... It's good, and, and and Branch is a special player. He's going to develop into a special player, and it's like it's nice. The secondary has has needed it. He needed a refresh this year. We we did it in free agency, and now we're doing it in in the draft as well. There's plenty of studs back there now, and just it's it's going to be a it's hopefully going to be a really good room next year. People want to throw on us, then good luck because Brian Branch excels against quarterbacks who like to try and launch it down the field. You know, some of his better games, you're looking against the Miss States, the Tennessees, Texas, guys who have quarterbacks who love to launch it, big arms. He he can read them and, and he can make plays on the ball there. So try throwing on us this year. 
you're going to struggle a lot. Got two trades then to talk to you about after that point. A trade down with Kansas City. Uh, Lions gave up 55, moved down eight spots to 63. They also gave up 194, but got 122 and 249. So they went up 72 spots from 194 to 122 and gained a seventh round in return for just going down eight places. And then with that 63 pick that they picked up from 55, they traded down another five spots with Denver. They also gave up 183, but they got 139. So <laughs> I'm just trying to work out in my head here what this is. They went down in total from 55 to 68. They gave up 194 and 183, but in return, they got 122 and, one, and 249 as well. Like that's... For me, exceptional value for both trades, like smashing it out of the park value for both trades. 100%. And I'm, I wonder, I actually like picking up that 249 pick as well because around the end of the draft, there's usually a couple of guys and obviously this gives us sort of priority UDFA chance. Let's say, I don't know, David Durden, who is someone who's recently come into the public consciousness with the uh, prospect X profile, if he falls there, I'd happily snap him up because you read that and he's such a good... It's having a pick at the end of the draft in those like last 20 picks. It's really good because it just gives you that chance to get one of your guys before the phones start ringing for UDFA. Yeah, I've, I've misdone that, actually. It's so 55 to 68, gaining 122, 139, and 249. That's awesome. Yeah. And so going down from 55 to 68, they managed to pick up quarterback two. Quarterback of the future remains to be seen. There's a lot of smoke and a lot of people already talking about the demise of Jared Goff, which is quite premature at this point. But there's absolutely no doubt that Hendon Hooker was talked about as a bona fide first-round talent in this draft. A lot of people still thought, despite everything, that he would go in the first round. And and you were not the happiest on stream, I'll say. But just speak to Hendon Hooker, the prospect out of Tennessee, and what he was able to do this season while he was healthy. Because the Volunteers were an exceptional football team, and he was at the heart of it. Oh, yeah. I've, I've never, ever doubted Hendon Hooker's ability as a football player and as a quarterback. He's been great for Tennessee this year. They were able to snap the losing streak against Bama, which has been going on for years. It was a shootout, let's say, but, you know, the downfield balls were accurate, they're well-placed, and he was very gritty in that game, as was Bryce Young. That's why I love Bryce Young, but both quarterbacks played sensational games there, and the thing is, they've run a really good offense this year. It, it is a little air raidy, which is why I'm not as enamored with this pick there. It's a spread offense, high tempo. Um, but when it works, it looks terrific. And, and he's got the range of passes that you want from him. He's got the dual threat ability, even though it's not his calling card. He likes to throw first, run second, which is what I always prefer in a quarterback. And Tennessee were a very fun team to watch this year, so... For Hendon Hooker, the player, he, he is a good football player. Is he a starting quarterback at the next level for us? I, I don't know. I don't. But, you know, I'll, I'll give my dues to him as, as a player. It's been great. So, there you go. But for people who are going to say he's going to be a starter, 
So Jeremy Reisman puts this well every single year when we're talking about quarterbacks, especially in round one. If you love a guy at quarterback, you pick him at one. You don't wait till 31. If you think he's your guy of the future and that he's going to lead your franchise for the next decade or whatever, you go and get him while you can get him. Let's not forget here, the Lions traded down twice. They could have taken him at 50. They could have got him there. And they didn't. They went back twice knowing full well he could be taken. That, for me, is not the sign of a team who is enamoured with a quarterback that is going to be their long-term star. You just do not give other teams the opportunity to nab him above you. Even if you're beyond certain there are no teams in there who are going to take him, someone could trade up and get him. And you run the risk of losing him. So, yes, we got those extra picks and that, but... That is not the sign of a team who believes he is their long-term starter. You don't trade back twice and then take him and go, oh, yeah, he's going to be our guy of the future. He might be. Who knows? We may look onto it. For me, this is backup quarterback territory pick. If we can get a high-level backup out of him, great. But I don't see the endorsement there of him being a starter long-term. Because as I say, you don't trade back and risk losing him. And that is what Jeremy, one of the brightest minds in this thing, says. And I agree with him with it. And we sort of had this argument before where Arthur, oh, you can wait, but I'm going to bring this back in my defense now. So that's all I'm saying with this pick. Don't label him as savior and next starting quarterback for the Detroit Lions because they don't believe that. So we shouldn't either. Ash. Yeah, I agree. But at least Hooker. If we look back at this in 10 years' time, he's just been a very stable backup quarterback for us. Someone who, whenever, uh, like, let's say, I don't know, Goff this year, later in the season, gets injured for two games and we need to, to win those games to make the playoffs. I can have better belief in Hendon Hooker coming in and lead us to victories than Nate Sudfeld can, than Tim Boyle can. It's definitely upgrade at the backup quarterback position, which is something we need considering we're making a push now. They, uh, before the last couple of seasons, we haven't really been making trying to make a push. So we could live with having a Nate Sudfeld, a Tim Boyle, David Bow as our backup quarterback. Because if Goff goes down, well, the whole season screwed anyway. So we might as well ta- try and tank as best as we can. This year, we need to be making a push. So we need to have a dependable backup quarterback. Hooker can be that. So I'm I'm all for the pick. I think we've got him like at some form of value because. There was some uh, first-round mocks with us taking him at 18. We get him 50 picks later, just as we did with Branch. We got Hooker potentially at great value, and I'm all for that. Steve? Yeah, so, like, I'm, I'm again, I'm well on board with this pick, and I'm, I'm just slightly perturbed by... Um, like, I, I get what Ant says, and I, I've... I've got no problem with that, but there's a lot of people on Twitter that have just been losing their minds and just whining about this. And I don't understand why people can't see the strategy here. Like, as Ant says, getting a high-value QB2 is essential. Uh, A quality QB2 is essential to every franchise because Goff's been really lucky with injuries and our O-line have protected him really well. But all it takes is one botch snap, one freak play. Goff goes down. And for a lot of franchises, that's season over. And we can't afford to be that fragile. 
Like we have to have someone that can step up um, in case of an injury. And, you know, we don't have to resort to doing 95% run game to try and get through having an injured QB1. And as Ant said, Hooker, you know, he, he is around one QB in any other circumstances. He's got a great arm. He's mobile. He can make all the throws. You look at some of the tape, he's making consistent in the SECC, he's making consistent, high um, accuracy, tight window throws. His ceiling could be around where Goff is. We don't know. But what this is, is a really low risk dart throw at a, Q, a QB who could be with us for the next five to 10 years. Um, and people are going mad, but we took took it at pick 68. I get what Jeremy is saying. If 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 you want that franchise QB, you take him at one. But we've got a franchise QB in Goff. And the unlike other franchises, we, we are not in a position where we have to take a QB and start him. Hooker's not going to see the field for certainly the first half of the season because of his injury. We're not going to risk him. So we're not in a position where we have to draft a QB to start immediately, like the Texans or the Panthers. This is this is like a luxury to have this. And the fact that we can take him at 68 is amazing. Like, it's absolutely amazing that we've got this luxury. And the upside is, is huge. So I'm completely down with this. And some of the people that were whinging on Twitter, I, I won't name them, but some of them should know better. Um, I don't get it. This is a yeah. great pick. So there's a couple of aspects I want to bring to this, which is slightly aside, and then I want to talk about the player himself. There's two really big positives to this move, which will go under the radar. The first one is that Goff needs an extension in 12 months' time. Like, he's got two years left on his deal. I agree with Steve that at this point in time, he's more likely to be the franchise guy than not. With his play over the last 25 games or so, eight games at the end of two years ago in the last 17... He's probably the franchise guy. He's just been good enough. So if he needs to get paid and the going rate is $50 million a year, I I, I struggle to stomach that even for Goff. Like, while he has been good enough to be paid like the franchise guy, that still seems like too much for him. Bringing in Hooker provides the Lions with leveraging contract negotiations. I hate to put it in cold, hard cash terms, and you're not going to go to Goff and say, look, we're not paying you this because you're not worth it. We've got a course back. We believe in who can come and replace you if we have to do that. But that is what it is. Like, that will be a factor in these contract negotiations. And no one should expect Goff to take a discount out of the goodness of his heart. But having a ready-made replacement ready to go who's been in the system for a couple of years before Goff goes kind of helps. The other aspect of Hooker, which won't get talked about very much, at least until we get around to training camp time, is that we have been crying out for a high-quality threat with the legs at quarterback to be the scout team guy to prepare our teams against Russian quarterbacks for whom we seem to struggle against more often than not. In a division where we play Justin Fields twice a year, in the league, in the NFL in general, where Russian quarterbacks just are the flavour of the month at the moment, having someone like Hendon Hooker to be your scout team quarterback is going to improve our defense on the field every single game. And that cannot go understated as, as a factor in, in this in this um, pick. So 
In terms of golf for the future, in terms of defensive play on the field, Hooker is a fantastic pick. Now, for the player himself, he has a long way to go. One of the most accurate quarterbacks in this cycle. But that glosses over a huge amount of things. He's a one-read quarterback. He does not read the field. He doesn't have to because the, the system is set up that way. So asking him to do NFL quality reading of the field at the quarterback position is going to take him time and it's going to take him experience. It's going to take a while. Now, asking him to come in and relief in a couple of games, we're basically going to have to be relying on his legs or scramble drills with throwing the ball deep. But that can work. And we've seen that work with players like Lamar Jackson, who is not the best passer in the world. I mean, he's okay. I do think that when you look at Hendon Hooker, if he can actually start to read the field, he has got a really good arm. Steve is absolutely right. And he can make all the throws. Get that into his head. The sort of football intelligence, sort of just muscle memory of being able to quickly read defenders like that. I don't think his ceiling is as low as Goff. He's a better passer potentially than Lamar Jackson is, especially deep, but I think also short. And his rushing ability isn't too far away from that. I mean, he's a dynamic threat with his legs. I had it on the graphic just now, but Hendon Hooker, 80 touchdowns and 12 interceptions with his arm, but 518 rushing attempts for 2,091 yards and 25 rushing touchdowns like this guy is a dynamic weapon with his legs so while there's a long way to go the ceilings mvp like i'm not being glib here yeah that is the thin slice of the wedge that is that is a one percent shot it's really unlikely but if you're talking about skill set and and the base sort of athleticism and, and what he can do at college, what he's kind of shown us he is possible, it's there. Just got to try and coax it out of him a bit. So the player himself, love it. Great value, but also scout team and leverage in Goss negotiations. Love, love, love the pick. And dismayed. Come on, there's a little bit of hyperbole in there, but hey ho. No, as a backup quarterback, absolutely fine. We've done it now, so we've we've got a guy in there who can be great. But he has a long, 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 long way to go. Long way to go. Um, right. Yeah. Go on. Two more things to get to here. First, uh, trade with the Arizona Cardinals again, and this one came out of nowhere late day two. Lions gave up 122, 139, and 168. That's 122 that we got in the second trade, and 139 that we got in the third trade of the day, and then 168, in return for 96. So in all, we went up 26 spots from 122 and had to give up 139 and 168 in the process. And we selected the nose tackle from Western Kentucky, Broderick Martin, he is six foot four and six tenths, 330 pounds, 2.14 RAS score. He played 14 games last year with two sacks, 23 pressures, and a PFF grade of 71.9. He's a space eater and he eats double teams up. Appears to be a little slow off the snap, but he's improved every year and he has an impressive 4.5% missed tackle rate. 
from the interior, and you've talked about it for a long time, missed tackle rate on run defense is just such a key indicator of success. And he seems like he might be really good in that regard. Yeah, it's 5%. When you look at someone like Siaki Ika, who was 26 over his college career, and, you know, noses don't always theoretically make the most tackles on the field. Like you say, they're space eaters, they are double teams players, and, you know, the guys who do the dirty grunt work that doesn't get noticed. And, and as for Raz, I said this last night, I, I, don't give a, I don't give a flying flamingo about Raz and nose tackles. I, I, I don't want a three three hundred and forty pound man to be athletically gifted in that. So I just want him to be strong. I want him to be competitive, and you know I want him to be effective in areas that we need him to be. And I, I said this last night. Broderick Martin has not really appeared on my radar as a player, and I don't think he's really appeared on anybody's. So, but all I will say, and things I can say again, he is in a conference where. Lots of teams love to run the football in that conference. You had last year, you, you had UTSA producing Sia McCormack, who had one of the best seasons of running back ever down there. You've had Dwayne McBride this year, one of the top running back prospects in class from UAB. And what these teams have are very strong, very powerful offensive linemen who are designed in the run game to go out there and, and cause havoc. And they do. So as a nose tackle, he's going to have come up against some good opposition and he's going to be well-versed in exactly what we need. We need someone to come in and help us against the run. We need someone who's going to come in, who's going to be effective with the tackling, who's going to be able to take on those blocks and, and shed them, you know, like a lean in a way. And you think he's got a little bit of pass rush upside to him as well. Maybe not at the next level. You are going to use him as a bona fide space. Eater. You're going to use him to anchor rather than pursue, but you know, I'm I'm intrigued. They've given up three picks for him, and you've got there, and I think that's the right thing. I don't know as much as I would love more day day three picks. We're not going to take that many players on the roster, so if they're happy with this, that's fine. I know he's coming from a system <clears throat> that is producing good talent. We had D'Angelo Malone from there last year, so the Western Kentucky D line camp at the minute is hot when it comes to their production of NFL talent, and he's coming from a league where he. <laughs> He's going to be very battle-hardened against the run and against Lyman, the specific type of blocking, the schemes they run, etc. So that's that's positive. Outside of that, I will need to see his tape work first. But like I say, the indications are there. Low missed tackle rate, which is huge. You know, got to make the most of it. Got to be able to finish off from, from the bits I have seen. He wraps up well. He finishes his tackles well. Once he latches on, that's it. You ain't going nowhere. He ain't dragging you along for three or four extra yards, you know, after the contact like we've seen with our guys over the years. So, calling me intrigued, but initial signs for me are quite positive, but again, <laughs> can't do anything more definitive than that. It's a long-term... Yeah. No, no, no. Um... Long-term bug slash Benito Jones replacements. This is us investing in the future. I know I've been quite vocal in wanting more of a free tech than another one tech, but the little bits I've seen of him, yeah, I agree. He really good space eater will work well in our sort of like gap and a half scheme where you mostly do one gap stuff. We do do some two gap in, and he does sort of have some pass rush ups. I remember us looking at the clips after the pod last night of him against UAB where he just absolutely, well, there was a missed assignment on the O-line, but he just comes through, 
just blows the running back aside and just gets the quarterback and forces a fumble. Absolute monster when he gets a free release at the quarterback. Gives me a bit of vibes of, remember when we traded for Damon Harrison and we had him and Ashawn Robinson as our interior lineman for like that half season? We were dominant against the run, so hopefully we can have a similar impact this year. Steve? I'm, I'm just trying to uh, get over Ant saying, colour me intrigued. It is, you know. You know, I like nose tackles. It, it, it's just a thing. It's uh, I just like watching the tape. I like what they can bring to a team. I've always been a big fan of having a bona fide stud at nose tackle. And so when we get one, I'm, I'm there and I'm all about it. Like I say, he's coming from a league where I think nose tackle comes up against a lot of good opposition. So it's... Uh, yeah, for, for me, I mean, I, I don't know the player at all. It is completely off my radar, but I was absolutely screaming out to draft a DT. Um, we really need. Uh, I think Jeff Risden said that um, he had got a three words of notes on uh, on on this guy, and they were big MF, and that was the extent of Jeff Risden scouting on him. Um, but that's what we need in the middle of our D line. Like, Bugs can't play so many snaps. Like, Bugs is going to get injured. And I'm not sure, but Bugs is like one of the older players on our our, our roster. So we, we need a, a young, up-and-coming, um, someone who's got room to learn the game. Um, and he is a big MF from the, the small amount I've, I've seen of him. So, yeah, we absolutely need help on the D-line. This is it. I'm ha- I'm good with that. I trust trust in Holmes. I think, and I think it was sorry, Matt. You go. No, I was about to say. I think this is a very deliberate ploy as well to go nose. I don't think this is a kind of oh, we'll take a DT, we'll take the best one. Because when you look at who's left out there at this moment in time, you know, you have Carl Brooks, you've got Dylan Horton, you've got Jonah Tavai, you've got Cameron Young. They're kind of more. Outside, they're kind of more three tech tackles in there, and you know, and, and they're pretty good as well. And you would say, if you're going to take one of those guys, if you want to take best DT, they'd have been the guys you'd have sort of gone after. So the fact they've gone after the nose, the only other guy you've really got in there, as I said last night, was Gerard Clark from Coastal. So the nose market is drying up. Um, so it feels very deliberate that they've gone up. To get them, which is why I kind of I'm more at ease with them giving up the picks to do it because this is a very specific guy and there's not many of them left in the draft and they feel he's good enough to warrant that pick. It's not just that there's loads of DTs left and we've reached on a guy who could be a, a, a late day three pick. It's, it's very deliberate, so that makes me think that makes me feel more at ease with it. So we had Luke G on the stream live yesterday at the end of the show. And then when we actually went off the air, me and Ant and Ash were with him and he was just showing us a couple of plays that he'd kind of been looking at since the pick. And what was clear to me is despite the low Raz score, you might expect him to, you know, not be the fastest guy in the world. But it was clear to me that perhaps in his better plays, his closing speed on a course back is actually really quite fast. Once he can shed blocks, and I think that might be the problem for him is shedding blocks. Once he shed blocks and it's just free to rush at the quarterback, he closes quickly and he's got a kind of nose for the football. Like 
there was one rep where he forced a fumble on a quarterback who was pulling back to throw. And if he'd tried to tackle him in his body, the quarterback would have got it away. But he specifically reaches out with his arm and knocks the ball out as he's hitting him. You know, there's a, a level of football intelligence there that's really quite interesting. And there's a great piece from uh, uh, from Royal Alliance favourite uh, Detroit Free Press journalist, Dave Burkett, about this specific pick. And... Just reading about him is really, really interesting. I've put the link in our Discord, and I'll put it in the live chats in just a second. But he played for three seasons at North Alabama uh, before transferring to Western Kentucky in 2021. But in 2021, his older brother, Brandon, died of leukemia. And so, you know, guys just kind of transferred to a, a new place. And this older brother was apparently the father figure for him. He didn't have a father figure growing up and his older brother served as that person to effectively lose your mentor at that age when you've just transferred is obviously pretty gutting. He didn't play much at North Alabama in terms of reps, but then when he went to Western Kentucky and he's dealing with all of that, he ascended as well. He like he he started to do really, really well. If you just have a look purely at PFF grades, I still need to do some tape grinding, but he says that he kind of uses him as his motivation. I'm sure he did before, but now more than ever to kind of be great for his brother. And if you think about what the Lions hold dear, it's not just about the story, but it's about the sort of grit and determination that perhaps what you've had to go through kind of provides for you. And like Brian Brzee, where you kind of like buy into the story a bit and what you know football then means to those people... This is a guy that every Lions fan should be pulling for 100% because of what he's been through, but because of how he dealt with that adversity and, and became better. Like, Western Kentucky is no, like, it, 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 you don't get to slouch off at Western Kentucky. They are a damn good football team when they want to be. You know, Bailey Zappi came from there, right, a couple of years ago, and that was a very productive football team. And we've watched... um those couple of plays and he seems like a kind of vicious attacking force. If you have a look and put Siaki Aika next to him, I think this guy is better. And we were panning Aika, but the rest of the league aren't panning Aika. Aika ended up going a couple of picks later to the Browns. Like <coughs> when you take everything into consideration that I've seen so far, which is a limited amount of information, I quite like the pick, despite the fact that he was 500th on my big board. Um, I think it's high time to just briefly have a look at the rest of the NFL before we head off, get some rest before our live stream. And our live stream is going to start at 11.40 a.m. Eastern, 4.40 p.m. UK time. And we've got 10 interviews to do tonight with people from around the league, as well as recapping all of the day three action. I'm going to be joined by CJ from the Vikings World Order. Dog Pound East from the Cleveland Browns, Raider Ryan, LA Chargers, uh, Sean Black, Indianapolis Colts UK, Bear Down Chicago, UK Steelers Podcast, Brit Jag, Transatlantic Titans, and Red, White, and Buffalo Blues. You don't want to miss it. That's an absolutely spectacular array, array of really good podcasting talent, especially as, you know, the relationship we have with the Bear Down Chicago guys. I, I think that's going to be a really, really nice one to... Uh, to be here for but let's have a look at around the league and just pick out some draft classes here that might be of interest i've kind of done a little pivot table where i can just 
have a very quick look at what's happened here, but just quickly go through the teams one by one. Arizona, they've got Paris Johnson, BJ Ojolari, Garrett Williams, and Michael Wilson. That's that's it's smashing it, no? Yep, one of my favourites is that's in there. So that is a, a, for a team in rebuild. I love it. Atlanta have gone Bijan Robinson, Matthew Bergeron, and Zach Harrison. Again, sneakily like that, even though you went running back at eight. That's a really good little draft class. No. Harrison. Harrison is a complete bust. It, it, what he's done at college is just, he's underwhelmed significantly, and that's very high for him to go. And then Bijan at eight is just, the Bijan the player, great, but as a pick, you've just had Tyler Algier go for over a thousand yards as a fifth round pick, and you have more pressing needs on your roster than a running back. Now, I get it, put them together, that's fine. And it may sound hypocritical because I said with Gibbs and Monty, that's great for us, but that's the way we play. But I feel like it, 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 yeah, I, I, I don't like what they've done. Fair enough. Uh, Baltimore have gone Zay Flowers and Trenton Simpson at 22 and 86. That's good. Really good. Zay Flowers is like the most Baltimore Ravens player in this draft, just in terms of he's as dynamic weapon as they come, and the Ravens offense is nothing but dynamic. So he's going to have a lot of success there, and he's got some great mentors there now. Like I said, OBJ's there, Aguilar's there. These receivers have Tons of NFL experience that they will pass on to him. It could be a sneaky call for an offensive rookie of the year candidate. Very sneaky. Buffalo ended up with Dalton Kincaid, Osiris Torrance, and Dorian Williams so far. I like it. I like it. We didn't say it on street. I think we were doing an interview during street, but I, oh, Dorian Williams, that's too high. That's too high. He's. He's too small, and and I say this from a guy who doesn't mind small linebackers, but oh, I felt like they could have done better there. But the other two are you know, really good for them. I, I really like those first two picks of theirs. Uh, Carolina went Bryce Young, Jonathan Mingo, and DJ Johnson, 139 and 80. Sneakily, hate that haul. Mingo is a good receiver. 39 is a huge overdraft. And then DJ Johnson was one of the bigger reaches from big board to actual pick. Don't mind the guy. He was okay at Oregon, but... Nah. Like, for someone who traded up big time, you now want to get value from your picks, and I don't see it. Yeah. Agreed. I was hoping they would get um, Drew Sanders, but... Alas... <laughs> All right, next up, Chicago. Darnell Wright, Gervon Dexter, Tyreek Stevenson, Zach Pickens. Oh, dear. Hate it. Hate it. Oh, Chicago. So I, I just want to say, look, look at the two like responses. So there's Green Bay, who have got Jordan Lovin in his first year now, and they believe he's the franchise guy of the future, yada, yada. And the Chicago Bears have Justin Fields, who they believe is their franchise guy for the future. Look what those two teams did for their respective quarterbacks yesterday. Jordan Love got two shiny new tight ends and a speedy speedy weapon with Jaden Reed. And the Bears gave Justin Fields nothing. Nothing. Literally nothing. One franchise has gotten their quarterback. They've given him a nice big hug and go, they're there. 
we are going to give you every opportunity to succeed. One franchise has gone, you're on your own, Justin. You're on your own. And it's it's quite telling about which of the organisations has gone to look after its quarterback. The Green Bay understand that Love ain't Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre yet. He's going to be a rookie. He's going to need all the help he can get. Justin Fields, I just don't think in their heart of hearts they like him because these two drafts have shown that they don't care about him one bit. I, I went um, I went spoiled the interview this evening, but I got a text from uh, Ryan from uh, Bear Down Chicago podcast saying he loved two out of four of the Bears picks. So right and Pickens. You can probably I'm guess which two those are. Right and Stevenson or Right and Pickens. Can't it's can't be Dexter. Mm. I, I, he didn't I, he didn't say, but I would imagine it's Right and um, Pickens. Yeah. Anyway, moving on to Cincinnati, they come out of this so far with Miles Murphy, DJ Turner, and Jordan Battle. Really good again. Yep, good, good picks. Which solid? That, sorry, that's Bengals. Miles Murphy, DJ Turner, Jordan Battle, twenty-eight, sixty, ninety-five overall. I'm not a massive fan of DJ Turner and Jordan Battle or Miles Murphy as individual prospects, but getting them the positions they did, it's valuable picks, and they could all be much better than their draft position. And the Bengals have some good players in that secondary for them to learn from. So if you go in sort of development guys, then I I, I have no problem with that. Um, so yeah, uh, okay, yeah. Cleveland knocking it out of the park, going for Cedric Tillman and Siaki Iker. Tillman's a good pick. Yeah, that's not about Tillman, by the way. I have all I the respect in the world for Cedric Tillman. But he could use he could, oh. the fact that we took Broderick Martin over Siaki Ika shows everything you need to know. And I got a lot of hate from some people from the Seahawks. Oh, you've been too harsh. No, I am damn well not. The fact that a guy who was marked 500th on a big board, who was a consensus day, you know, round seven pick, has a team has traded up to get him over. Siaki Ika shows you everything you need to know about him. Fraud. That 2021 season, fraudulent. 2022, he regressed in every single metric possible. And just because he's big and he's got the frame doesn't mean you should take him. And that was just such a Browns pick, that was. It was if I'd have had to guess at where he was going to go and which team would have done it, I think the Browns would have been one of the top contenders for that. So well done, gents. I'm glad you took him and not us. And I'm glad our front office was incredibly smart and, and didn't do it either. It's actually quite scary now thinking they were looking in that position. But the fact that they went, no, makes me so happy. Looking at Dallas's group, they've got Marzi Smith, Luke Shoemaker uh, and Demarvian Overshone. That probably would have been a draft of a lot of Lions fans, specifically Michigan ones. <laughs> I do I mean, think that even though Smith and Shoemaker are overdrafted, I love the fit with Mazzy and Demarvian Overshone makes a lot of sense as well. It might be a little high for all of those guys, but I quite like it for Dallas. I want yep. to say that I gave Dallas a and we we draft so we all mocked Kansi to Dallas because we said they need. Well, most of us did. You didn't, Ash, but. 
most of us, I think four of us, mocked Cassie. So we were actually in the right frame of mind. They were looking at a DT. And didn't our Cowboys guess say that they've not drafted DT in the first since 1990? So they've they've just smacked, they've just snapped a massive streak there. But I want to say we got the position route right. It was just the wrong guy, but... I know, I don't know. I saw the comment the other day on one of our YouTube videos at me saying, and you said Mazzy was never a first round pick and he got drafted in the first round. I just want to clarify that with look at Dallas's pick last year. He was also not a first round pick, but they took him there. So <laughs> I still don't think he is, but Shoemaker will work out great there, though. I, th- I think I love that fit. Shoemaker's going to be loved there very quickly and then to Marvian Overshone that that kind of felt like a you know he's an in-state guy there they have probably got a very good look at him and again fit wise I, I think the Cowboys have done reasonably well there and if they can if they can give Massey Smith some pass rushing upside that could be a very good pick until they do it it, it remains to be seen yeah okay for Denver their class considering this is all Mid to late day two picks. Marvin Mims, Drew Sanders, Riley Moss. I like that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's just, really nice. Thank thank God Roy isn't here to mourn the loss of Riley Moss. I mean, you think Sean Payton and what he's been able to do over the years of players is going to get his hands on Drew Sanders. I mean... Drew Sanders' potential is limitless. It is just, can you find the right position for him to play and can you scheme the best out of him? And Peyton's going to be the guy more than any other who might be able to do that. And it's scary to think how good that he could be there. And Mims, I love the Mims pick. When we did the fantasy football pod for the college show, I, I had Marvin Mims in my top five of dynasty drafts. And if any, if even one person in the world listened to me um, to take him for your dynasty point, the fact that he's going to be with Russell Wilson and that he's going to get opportunities in that Broncos court to go out there and play and put some points on the board, that is one of the perfect landing spots for him. So if you've got him in dynasty, you should be very, very, very happy. Now looking at Detroit's draft... Uh, and I'll just preface it with this. Every other team has picked between two and four players. The Lions have picked six. They've picked two more than any other team and more than three more than most. They came away with Jameer Gibbs, Jack Campbell, Sam Laporte, Brian Branch, Hendon Hooker and Broderick Martin. That might be the best of all of them. I I know that in some places the value wasn't there for some of these guys. But if you look at the draft class as a whole, considering how many more players we've taken, and if you if anyone puts any stock in PFF stuff at all, the point in trading down is taking more swings. We're taking more swings, and they're all quality players. Hmm. It doesn't matter about the the value on individual picks now. It's about the value of the class, and that's stellar, absolutely stellar. Looking at Green Bay, Lucas Van Ness, Luke Musgrave, Jaden Reed, Tucker Craft. Did you see? I like it. Yeah, I I know Tom is furious that they didn't go there, but I said about Luke Musgrave. The talent 
the potential talent that man has, it makes me shiver thinking that we are going to be facing him for years in the future. Now, if they get it right with tight ends, then that could be a hell of a pick. On the flip side, his injury worries may come back and, and we may never see him. So it's one of those. It's boom or bust, but the Packers needed tight ends. And Tucker Craft was a darling of many, many, many people. Come from a small school in the FCS, and he is a great tight end. And I think he's gonna he's gonna take a pivotal role on the offense quite quickly. He may get in there before Luke Musgrave does. Um, that is how good he is. And then Jane Reed, it's speedy as I I I I've, he's all right. I like Jaden Reed, um, but it's a deep threat for Jordan Love to throw at now. And then Van Ness, I mean. I don't like that one. I think they could have done better there. Um, but in terms of the offensive weapons they've got, they that could low-key be a very good group. But that is a group more for two or three years' time than this year, is what I would say. I mean, for me, I just dislike this class for Green Bay very, very much. Um, it is a boom, an entire class of boom or bust picks. Like, they could all be bad. There's not one guy in that that I think has a high floor. That's scary to me if I'm a Green Bay fan. When you are looking at potentially sinking or swimming at this point and having to properly reset if Jordan Love doesn't work out this year, you want to provide him with a group of people who you can depend on and be reliable. Tight end is one of the hardest positions to translate in the NFL. They needed to take one. I think taking two is gluttonous. It's a waste. I don't get it. Getting them both on the field at the same time is going to be more difficult than people think. I don't care what a stupid analyst on Twitter thinks of other people who say that. Don't care. He doesn't know football. Doesn't know football. He stole my thunder. At the end of the day... Jaden Reed is the only one I like, and he's massively overdrafted. He's the only one I like, but there's some redundancy there because they got Romeo Dobbs. Jaden Reed's going to take his snaps. They don't have any tight ends, though. I mean, they've literally got Josiah DeGuara. That, that, that is it. So double-dependent tight end. They could both see the field game one, and you could put them together. I mean, I don't know. Have, have you heard from Steve Diddy? Uh, Steve, have you heard Have you heard anything about he's, how he's silence. doing? Yeah, oh. idea of silence. And then... Right, let he'll pipe up when they beat the Bears week one, won't they? Let's rattle through the rest of these draft classes. Houston, CJ Stroud, Will Anderson, Juice Scruggs, and Nathaniel Tank Dell. Really good. Yeah. I yeah. love it. Protect the quarterback, get the best edge rusher, get him a weapon to throw at. Yep. And, and get him a good centre. To, I mean, Juice has just been completely forgotten about because there are lots of other great centres this year. So, um, Ola Sagan's still on the board, though. I, I'm shocked. Yeah. Indy went for Anthony Richardson, Julius Brents, and Josh Downs. Steve, what do you make of it? Um, it's unspectacular. Um, I, I don't hate it, but I think... Brent's again, I think Brent is a bit of a reach at 44. Um, it's, it's another class where if you flip the picks, I feel better about it. Downs at 44, Brent's at 79 makes all the sense in the world to me. Yeah. Josh Downs is. Sorry, go on. You go. No, you go. 
as I say, Josh Downs is the most underrated wide receiver in this draft. The 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 lack of chatter about him was was something. So that is a really really good weapon for Anthony Richardson when he gets in there. And again, I I would be fearful if I was facing them. Downs is sneaky so good. Brent's was way too high. So, like I said, if you flip him, fine. But they've obviously seen something with him. So, who knows? They need secondary guys. Brent's is probably going to see the field a lot this year. So, you know, trial by fire, see what you can do with him. Yeah, it's a good scheme fit for Brent's because he's his own corner and neighbor, and obviously they have his own cover free. So it could be it could work out really well for him. It's obviously, but obviously, as you say. It's going to be trial by fire for him, and we've seen how it works with uh, corners getting thrown in day one and expected to cover guys. Jacksonville went Anton Harrison, Brenton Strange, and Tank Bigsby. Low-key. Horrible, horrible draft for them. I mean, Harrison, way too high. You know, Tank, I love Tank. I love Tank Bigsby, but Considering some of the guys still on the board, that's oh, I can see maybe why they've done it. Tank's going to back up there. He's not going to be a starter. Etienne's the guy. Could be a good one-two punch, but I just feel like there were other options they could have had there. That's that's one of the worst drafts uh, for me, and it's quite far out there. Talking about interesting draft classes, Kansas City went for Felix Andrique Uzoma, Rashi Rice and Wanya Morris. They traded up for Rice. They traded up to 55 with us. That's crazy. I, and they traded up for Morris as well. I adore those first two. Those are two fantastic picks for them. I'm like I'm glad to see Rashi Rice is gonna get an opportunity and a great offense to go out there and do his thing. And Felix. Felix and Carl Aftis, that is going to be an edge pairing for the next few years that is going to cause people a lot of problems. That is a very promising young duo of edge rushers. And I can't wait to see what they do, actually. That's that's going to be really, really potent for them. But Rasheed Rice, amazing. As for the tackle, I've actually done very <laughs> no work on him, so I can't say a damn thing. Chargers have gone for Quentin Johnston. Tuli Tuipilotu and Diane Henley. <laughs> Pain <laughs> Henley. Yeah. Look at look at Matt biting head. his look at Matt biting his lip going. Oh, look at that! Yeah, Henley's gone. Uh, like I said, I don't care about the Chargers, which is which is a good thing. They're not a team that I dislike or a rival or anything like that. Diane Henley's going to go anywhere. I want it to be a team I don't care about so that ideally I just don't hear about him again. So, but that's a very smart pickup for them. I mean, in that, especially in that conference, when you think the Broncos, the Chiefs, these these dynamic offenses that you come up against and the way they play, Diane Henley is perfect for that. He is like the anti, he's like the anti-weapon that you bring out to to deal with those. So I think he will flourish. I feel like he might struggle initially because the level of competition is so high. But in two or three years, like Chargers fans will be going, that was a stunningly great pick. Thule, oh well, he's that's an in-state pick right there. So they are gonna have done a lot of due diligence on him. So, you know, completely trust their judgment with that one. And who was the first one they took again? Quentin Johnson. Quentin Johnston. So 
You know what? I low-key like that draft. I, I, I think the Chargers have done some very smart business there. It would be interesting when uh, Sean comes on later, um, What, how the uh, the Chargers fan base coped with double-dipping at linebacker on day two. So I was talking to Sean. Tool is an edge more. So Yeah, definitely an edge. Um, but I was talking to Sean, and I've, I mean, there is a reputation to uphold here, but... I couldn't couldn't believe how dour and depressed as a Chargers fan he was. Like it's going to be like um, a mock of himself, I think, of a big dour Scotsman. Like it was just like, oh come on, mate, you've got a good team here. <laughs> so I'm low key looking forward to it. I'd I'd be dour if my team was the number one scoring offense and defense one year and still didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, right. Let's keep rattling through these. The Rams took Steve Avila, Byron Young from Alabama, above the Byron Young from Tennessee, and Kobe Turner. Love it. Yeah. Uh, you can tell You can tell they're in a rebuild because they've gone straight for the trenches and gone, we're going to start rebuilding those. Kobe Turner was a massive favourite amongst the Lions faithful. Um, and Steve Avila, uh, that's perfect. Steve Avila and his line versus, given how beat up, battered and bruised and lacking in depth that line is, he makes the most sense in the world out of any offensive lineman in this draft because he will hold all three positions in that interior wherever they need him and he will perform it to a high level. So that is one of my favourites. That's just overall one of my favourite picks in the draft. I just think player, team, perfect fit. Rams knocked that one out of the park. Vegas have gone for Tyree Wilson, Michael Mayer, the other Byron Young, and Trey Tucker. Oh, sorry, this is the this is the Alabama Byron Young. Byron Young for the Rams was the the Tennessee one. My bad. You're thinking Cameron Young. I think you were thinking one of the other one before. No, so but there's two Byron Youngs, isn't there? One yeah. the edge is from Tennessee, and the interior guys from. Alabama and the Alabama one went ahead, even though the Tennessee one was more highly regarded. I found that an interesting one. But anyway, Vegas, Tyree, Mayer, Young, Tucker. Awful. All right, we'll move on to Miami. I mean, losing Darren Waller and picking up a third round pick and replacing him with Michael Mayer seems a bit of a downgrade. Just a touch. Funny bit. Yeah. Miami went for entirely day two draft, only two picks, Cam Smith and Devin A. Chain. Really good. Love A. Chain to Miami. I said this to Grandizer. Devin A. Chain could be, again, another one of those sneaky offensive rookie of the year candidates if they let him cook in that offense. Because don't forget, he's going to be their return guy as well, first and foremost. He'll, he'll start... Special teams, you'll start returning. They'll probably get snaps on the field quick enough. And with his home run speed, the small build, it's exactly what they're built for. Again, smashing. How many running backs do they need? They've got about three or four running backs already. Yeah, I, I, I agree. But, but, but again, A-Chain is that all-round guy who will be in there. He, he, he will return. He will run the football. They will manufacture touches for a guy like him because of how versatile he is. So expect him to see him work his way up the depth chart there pretty quickly. I, I would think he'd be running back to there by the end of the year and playing a significant role on that team. 
I think it's quite funny that his athleticism on the NFL Network broadcast was listed at 77 when he runs a 4-2-6-40 yard dash. Come on, guys, do better. Minnesota. Minnesota's draft class, Jordan Addison at 23, Mecky Blackman at 102. The USC draft. This, they're going to draft a corner every draft for the rest of eternity, aren't they? <laughs> they're probably going to bust on most of them. You could have got Mackay 50 picks later, in, in my humble opinion. I, I think this is very high for him. Addison makes all the sense in the world. That was one of the few picks I landed on in my first round mock. They needed a guy when Adam Thielen was gone, the dependable receiver who year in, year out will churn out good production for you and be there when you need him. Jordan Addison is that guy to a T, so they did really well with him. But Mackay, he's just going to be the next in a long line of failed quarterbacks there. Patriots, Steve, Christian Gonzalez, Keon White, Marte Mapu. Um, I mean, I think Keon White, I, I wasn't expecting to go to like the bottom end of the second round, maybe the third round. Um, I, I don't know the Sacramento State linebacker at all. That's that's one for uh, Ant to uh, dig deep into his little black book. That's a tremendous draft. I, I actually really like that draft. You know, Gonzalez, they got a, a steal, probably him falling down there. Keon White, you know, my feelings on him. I absolutely love him. What Bill can do with defenders, I think that's a perfect system fit for him there. Marte Mapu is completely underrated. He's actually a linebacker-safety hybrid, so he's another one of the hybrid guys. He comes from Sac State, so small school, but he is an incredibly talented player. You saw it at the senior bowl he went to. He got called up to that last minute, and he absolutely shone. I think that's where a lot of teams, he would have come to their attention. Um, but I'm interested to see where they play him. I think we hypothecated that it could be more at safety, but I love those three picks for the Pats. They have washed away the stench of last year's draft, which was which was horrible. So, Yeah, we will do, Steve. We will rattle through these. Just want to say on Mapu, I think I'm right in saying that he's a converted quarterback. And he's yeah, an athletic he's, freak. So he hasn't actually done much work on defense. There's a lot of room for growth. Uh, he's yeah. had like two seasons there, but he, he's big as well. He's 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 big framed for... That's why they think it might be safety, because he has the body of a safety, but the athletic ability of a, of a linebacker. Yeah, right. We've got a few more draft classes to get through, and then we'll just take a brief look ahead to day three. New Orleans Saints, Brian Brzee, Isaiah Foskey, Kendra Miller. Great. Really solid draft. Giants, Deontay Banks, John Michael Smith, Jalen Hyatt. Also great. That's a really, really yeah, nice good. draft. Uh, the New York Jets, Will McDonald the fourth and Joe Tipman. First one sucks, sucks Donkey Kong. Second one is Super Mario. Fucking awesome. It's um, Tipperman there protecting Aaron Rodgers. They needed to do that. But first one... No, 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 no. I'd rather Aaron Rodgers wasn't protected, but oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Philadelphia, Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, Tyler Steen, Sidney Brown. Tyler Steen. How was do they a... keep doing it? Yeah. How do the Eagles keep doing it? Sidney Brown at 66. See, I thought Tyler Steen was a reach, but 
And I preface this, Tyler Steen could be an incredibly good offensive lineman at the next level. He's shown all the glimpses you want. And if there's one team who is going to develop him into a great offensive lineman, it's them. So I completely get the appeal, even if I feel it's a bit too high. They've done well. Uh, next up. Ooh. If I don't have my spreadsheet try and flip out on me, is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Broderick Jones, Joey Porter Jr., Keanu Benton, Darnell Washington. Screw the Steelers. <laughs> That's an exceptional draft. That's an incredible draft. Yeah. I, Broderick Jones feels like a bit of a reach at 14, but Porter Jr., Keanu Benton, Darnell Washington, three picks the Lions faithful would absolutely love. So... What hurt the most is that I was talking with the UK Steelers guy on Twitter about this because he said, hands off Benton. And I said, no, that's my man. You keep your hands off him. And he, he stole my guy. <laughs> just well, like, that's my man. I was, anyway. just like, I was just like, God damn it. But yeah, Steelers Steelers might be one of the best drafts all time, of, of this year so far. Seahawks, Devin Witherspoon, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Derek Hall, Zach Charbonnet. Screw the Seahawks. Screw them. Yeah, fuck the Seahawks. Bastards. Charbonnet. Really, really nice draft. That is a waste. A Charbonnet waste going to a timeshare there with Kenneth Walker is a waste. Charbonnet should be disappointed because he'd be starting running back on a lot of teams. Uh, San Francisco, all late day three. Jair Brown, Jake Moody, Cameron Latu. I like that. Steve gives that an A+. Plus. I like Jair Brown and Cameron Latu. I think Latu went 100 picks higher than I thought he would. But Jair Brown's a legit player. Wait, you thought Latu was... draft picks. How can they draft Moody at 99? That's just metal. What are they doing? Latu is not a 200 pick. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to respectfully disagree there. He has slept on as a tight end. I love the two picks outside of the kicker. Right. Three more draft classes to go. Tampa Bay, Kalija Kansi, Cody Mulch, and Yaya Diaby. That's it's like, all in the trenches. That's like favourites of like every like pod favourites lined up there. It really is. Co- you, Cody Mouch, yeah. I like. Uh Cody Mouch is gonna go do well there. Um Yaya. I mean, what's their edge depth like? There's someone there we can learn off still, or have they lost all those front oh, seven now? Barrett's still there. Uh, oh, he's still there. And they took uh, Joe Tryon Shainka, didn't they? Okay, yeah. Who you absolutely ridiculed. You really disliked. Ridiculed. <laughs> I really disliked that pick. But yeah, Yaya Diaby could, could be a starter in that team. I think will be. He's already listed. Yeah, he's I think listed will be. Three right now. <laughs> Tennessee went for Peter Skronsky, Will Levis, and Ty J Spears. Yeah, Ty J in Tennessee is going to be a monster. Um, that that is a very smart pick, and I don't mind the first one either. So, final I mean, draft class. It's to kind look- of like mm. it's like Hendon Hooker with us. Like if they'd have got, if they'd have had to take Levis at eleven, I'm sure they, you know, there'd be a lot of people be unhappy with that. But Levis at the top of the second round is a completely different thing. Yeah, completely agree. Commanders, Emmanuel Forbes, Jatavius Martin, Ricky Stromberg. Like the Martin pick, the other two not so much. Yeah. Who was that, sorry? Commanders, Emmanuel Forbes, Quan Martin, Ricky Stromberg. I 
you know what? As, as a Razorbacks fan, I just have to say that you know Ricky Stromberg. I, I like that. So um, I, I think Ricky will prove a lot of people wrong. He's just buried in an entirely deep class. But again, he's gone in front of Ola Sagan. I I don't know what people are not seeing with him. I really don't. If he sat there at our next pick, then I'm like, give it, give me, give me, give me, give me. Give us who? Ola Sagan, Ola Watimi. Yeah. The center from Michigan. I, give me, give me, give me. I'll take him. I'll put. I'll convert him to guard. Fine. And I mean, that's a good transition into who there are, who is available still on the board. Let's have a look at the top ten that is on the stream right now. Keely Ringo, Dewan Jones, Adatomiwa, Adabare, Mark Phillips the third, Antonio Johnson, Luke Whitepler, Kate Keyshawn Boutte, Tyler Scott, Eli Ricks, and Jalen Duncan are the top. 10 on the board but just below that you've got players like Jamie Robinson, Travius Hodges Tomlinson, Nick Kerbig, Darius Rush, JL Skinner, Christopher Smith, Roshan Johnson, Noah Sewell, Zach Kuntz Caillou Blue Kelly, A.T. Perry Dylan Horton Israel Abanakanda, there is a lot of talent still in this draft boys. Yeah 100% and again for everyone who's like, oh, but Adabare is so goddamn good. Yeah, the PJ Warrior games did nothing to fool people. I would just like to say I feel fully vindicated on that, that he's not a top 100 pick, everyone. Oh, Adabare will get him in the first or whatever, in the second. But he's a national champion of Ireland, admittedly. I, I still, I still <laughs> exactly. really dislike that joke. So... Yeah, I just want to say I feel entirely vindicated there, and I took some flack for my views on that. So there, that is why you don't take the pajama games into account with players because it doesn't make them better. So, but there, there is some terrific talent there at this moment in time, and I mean the fall for Ringo. That I don't even think his worst critics sort of foresaw this. Like yes. still yeah, yeah. there on. On dating, when you think of some of the corners that have gone already, I mean, Mackay Blackman's gone in front of him, and he shouldn't have been picked for another fifty or sixty picks. It's it's absolutely crazy why he's still there. Dewan Jones, I understand why. I I can understand why he's not there. I always thought he was overrated or, or overvalued as a player. But what again, what about Chandler Zavala? Why do you think he's he's still there? Because he was Chandler was always a day three pick, always in most of the in most of the pre draft process. Chandler Zavala was a day three pick. He well, is not even risen. a day three pick. He moved into yeah. draftable consideration first. He's he's only risen recently. Um, so for me, this is still if he went first. Let's just say hypothetically, he went first pick. And I'm not saying that because I'm betting with Ash. I'm just saying hypothetically, that would be overdrafting him. And that's from a Wolfpack fan. That that would be overdrafting him. So I'm not surprised he's still there. Clark Phillips is also shocking. He is one of the best slot corners in this draft, and he is still sat there. Whether this is just a not many teams need slot corners or whatnot, but I'd expect him to be one of the first names off the board coming in there. And then obviously Luke Whitebler's there. That, that, that again, a lot of say a lot of centers. So I can understand why they're falling a little bit. Um so yeah, in, interesting times with some of them. Yeah, so definitely. What, I, I was going to say, in terms of what we do with our, our last couple of picks, and uh, uh, you know, probably 
And you'll have a view on this. Andrew Voorhees. Should we be thinking about taking Voorhees as one for the future? I mean, I guess they can stick him on injured reserve and he doesn't count against the roster, does he? If they just yeah. stick him yeah, on injured reserve. Right. So you, you could theoretically do that. Um, he has I, to I, make I, the roster first and then yeah. get the space back. So you still have to cut someone and then try and re-sign them. But yeah, you could. Yeah, I mean, just in general... I would not be surprised if today's two picks were both offensive line. Um, I wouldn't be. Um, complete flyer at the end and someone who's going to be at least a rotational depth piece today. That's that's where I'm at. And I had a good track record last year. So, I'm Yeah, day three, you so were the again. guru. So, so what you're saying is Avala and someone like Jordan McFadden and we're going to be sorted? Um, I'm torn. I really, really want Mark Evans. And I, Mark Evans could be there. I, I, Mark Evans is on a lot of boards is is undraftable. I think he is very highly draftable. I think he's going to be the first HBCU player to go, and I think there's going to be four or five of them. So he has to go earlier for that to happen. So I'm torn between Mark Evans and Chandler Zavala for there right now. Um, but they would be the two guys I would be all the way in on at that pick. And then at the end, like Ash said, if Jordan McFadden is there at that point, I'd, I'd, I'd strongly consider going for him. He, he'd be one of the ones I'd like most. And I mean, it, it, it depends. There is some good development talent there sort of later on this year. I mean, you're probably going to have... One of the big safeties may fall all the way... Uh, safety centres may fall all the way down. So it, it it's yeah. Can I can I read to you? So I I want to do offensive lineman and wide receiver because I think that's the other way they could yeah. go. Does that seem fair? Yeah. So let yeah, me yeah. read. Let me read to you the list of notable guard, center, tackle prospects still on the board, and then I'll do wide receivers. So just pick out some names if you if you see what you think. So. Tackle centers guards on the board at the moment. Dewan Jones, Ohio State. Luke Whiteplow, Ohio State. Jalen Duncan, Maryland. Blake Freeland, BYU. Carter Warren, Pittsburgh. Nick Saldivieri, Old Dominion. Andrew Voorhees, guard USC. Emil Echiel, guard Alabama. Anthony Bradford, guard LSU. Warren McClendon, tackle Georgia. Olasagun Olawatami, center Michigan. Braden Daniels, tackle Utah. Nick Broker, guard Ole Miss. Jarrett Patterson, centre, Notre Dame. And then going through a few more notable names, Jordan McFadden, tackle Clemson. Antonio Maffey, guard US, uh, UCLA. Henry Beinve... I can never say that. Benny Valu, guard Washington. Chandler Savala, guard NC State. Uh, Tayshawn Manning, guard Kentucky. And there's a few other. City South, guard Eastern Michigan. There's a wealth of talent all the way down at the offensive line yeah th th there are a lot of ways they could go here i mean nick broker would be one i mean he's a really good guard in this draft and you know he's down that list of offensive linemen so that that is why i fully expect offensive line to be the flavor of the day here there are yeah. a lot of potentially really good picks here at both positions which are doing for the future but as I say, Zavala and Mark Evans are the two who who I really, really want out of them all. All right, I can't um, help but I can't help but think of Andrew Voorhees doing thirty eight reps on the bench press at the combine with a torn ACL, and Dan Campbell not immediately falling in love with him. 
Shall, shall, shall we have a friendly little bit? Where do we reckon? What what number do you reckon he goes at? Let's have a friendly little a little wager here. How far is he gonna fall? And who's this, Ringo? No, Voorhees. Voorhees. Oh, sixth round. No, I need a number. Like, uh, number sixth round. Uh, 185. Yeah. No, that's fifth. One, 195. Ash. 165. Uh, 172. Just be a dick and go 173. <laughs> like, that guy, like, <laughs> the price is right. Wait, just 550. 555. Um, Ooh, you know what? Two hundred. You're yes. okay. Cool. I go, think you've gone five th- picks ahead of me, bastard. I think. I think the. Oh, I thought you went one eighty-five. One ninety-five. Mm-hmm. Oh, you changed your mind. Okay, I'll go two hundred five. I'll give you ten. All right. I think you'll fall quite far. Right. Let me give you the list of wide receivers still on the board as well, because this is an embarrassment of riches this far down yes. the draft as well. Keyshawn Boutte, LSU. Tyler Scott, Cincinnati. Trey Palmer, Nebraska. A.T. Perry, Wake Forest. Xavier Hutchinson, Iowa State. Rakeem Jarrett, Maryland. Pukunasua, BYU. Ronnie Bell, Michigan. Jalen Cropper, Fresno State. Dontavian Wicks, Virginia. Charlie Jones, Purdue. Bryce Ford, Wheaton, West Virginia. Elijah Higgins, Stanford. Joseph Nasser, Clemson. Parker Washington, Penn State. And other notable names on Andre Yoshivas, Princeton. Uh, Dante Demas, Maryland. Uh, Xavier Gibson, Stephen F. Austin, um, Jake Bobo, UCLA. Not really seeing anyone else there, but that's a heck of a lot of players still available. I can't believe A.T. Perry's still there. Yeah, I'd expect him to be one of the first names off the board today. I think A.T. Perry's getting sort of knocked a tiny bit by the sort of like system. Because obviously Wake Forest has that sort of slow mesh, long system, so I think some teams might be a bit scared after his production was a bit schemed. But I'll take air him. Raiding. But obviously, air raid exactly. But I, as you say, embarrassment of riches. Pukanosua, Oshavas, Bryce Fort Wheaton. There's so many of the kind of receivers that I think we need. Obviously, people might disagree and think we can take any kind, but I'm really looking for those kind of big-bodied guys. And then, of course, I keep bringing him up because I'd love for him to take us first to take him because it'd be such a good sort of story. But uh, David Durden, the West Florida wide receiver, who everyone thinks is prospect X, this thing that this journalist does where once a year she picks out one prospect who she thinks go, is going well under the radar, supposedly visited with us, loved the city, big X kind of receiver, has a good story and all that, would fit in so well here. Yeah. I'm going to be so conflicted if Puka sat there at the next pin, but we need offensive line depth. I just, and this is how strongly I feel about the offensive line depth argument that Puka, who I have stand over for more than anyone in this draft at this point in time, if he sat there, I would pass on him because I so strongly feel about the offensive line depth. Would you trade DeAndre Swift for Puka Nasua? Yes, in a yes. heartbeat. There you go. That's, in- that's the. That in is a the heartbeat. That's what? the thing to do. Trade Swift for a fifth round pick with Puka on the board and take Puka. In a heartbeat. Oh, baby. Well, Swift is now redundant in the offense. We'll have at most five snaps a game at this point, and Puka is someone who could start. Yeah. Theoretically, yeah. Right. I, know, yeah. I know Steve hates it. 
I, I just think what, while we've got Swift on the cheap, let's get another season of wear and tear out of him. Although, admittedly, that, I, with Swift, that could be very little wear and tear. Steve, trust me, I was there with the Cuda. It's not worth standing on that hill. I mean, be... I want to deploy Jameer Gibbs to his full ability. I don't want to be time-sharing him with Swift behind Monty. I want to put him in lock and load and shoot him out of cannon against opposition defences. That's what I want to do, and that, that means Swift is redundant. It's his last year. Um, yeah. Robert makes a good point here. If Swift gets injured, he has zero trade value. Yeah. Exactly. So do it while you can. Even if it's a sixth or seventh round pick, and then at least gives you the opportunity to come up again. Uh, and I mean, it, it, you, you're not getting a comp pick back for him as well because the Lions are not playing the comp pick game with the amount of cap space the Lions have. They will be buyers, not sellers this time next year. So for anyone who might be leaving us in this offseason, there will be no comp picks for these guys. So you've got to either trade them away if you want value for them or play them and let them go and you get nothing back for them. So I think we're I, getting some comp picks next year. So I, I want to see the smile return to Steve's face. So... Theoretically, Steve, if we traded DeAndre Swift for like 190 or something like that, 180, whatever, if we were able to get that for him, we take that and a seventh round pick. And if Andrew Voorhees slides, just move up that little bit and you draft Andrew Voorhees. Oh, I, I would definitely swap Voorhees for Swift. Absolutely. There we go. We got the smile back. There we go. We can do that. Right, right. You know, right. Me up. I do, I do, Steve. I love, I love it. I love doing it. Right, we've been going long enough with this roundup, and we're going to be back live in four hours' time. So it's time to get out of dodge. Our show starts at eleven forty a.m. Eastern time, four forty p.m. UK time. Ten cracking interviews to bring you this afternoon. CJ from the Vikings, Dog Pound East from the Browns, Raider Ryan, LA Chargers, Indianapolis Colts UK, Bear Down Chicago, UK Steelers Podcast, Brit Jag, Transatlantic Titans, and the Red, White, and Buffalo Blues. It's a stacked schedule. Please come back and see us then. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you've enjoyed this show as well, guys in the chat, or if you're listening on the audio. And Steve, Ash, it's been great as always. We'll see you in a few hours' time. But for now, let's go Lions One Pride. One Pride. Back up.